What was your life-shattering moment? That time when the whole world seemed to stop spinning. Was it maybe a phone call in the middle of the night about the tragic news of a loved one? Was it a call from the doctor's office with the results of the test? Or maybe was it a split-second accident that completely changed your life from that day forward? We all have those life-shattering moments. For myself, mine was 20 years ago, back in 2003, when I awoke from a life-saving surgery only to find that I was left completely blind. But with any life-shattering moment, we have two choices. We can either leave the pieces lay, or we can pick them up, not to rebuild what was, but to build something new, something for our future. I have the opportunity to share my story on a podcast called Your Blank, What Now?, hosted by an amazing woman named Marcy Nettles. And here today, I thought I would share it with you. Now, if you've been around the podcast for a while, you've heard my story before. But I really enjoyed this interview because I really got to share some stories that I've never shared with anyone before. Her questions brought out emotions that I wasn't expecting. And at the end of the day, I feel like it just made for a really powerful story that my hope, my prayer, is that it can leave an impact on you. Because that's honestly the whole point of this podcast, is whether it's me or my guest, I want our stories to not have you feeling sorry for somebody, but instead to empower you, to inspire you to get out there and live life no matter what the challenges are that are trying to hold you back. My friend, you deserve all that you can imagine in this world, no matter what challenges or obstacles try to stand in your way. Let me be proof of that, that you can indeed accomplish whatever you want in this life. Sometimes you just got to be willing to fight for it. With that said, I'm going to turn it over to Marcy Nettles. Here is my interview on your blank, what now? Never before have people been so broken, confused, sick, controlled, lost, and hopeless, feeling completely alone. The Your Blank What Now podcast is here to show you that no matter where you find yourself right now, you are not alone. Others have traveled the path before you and you are part of a community of people that have faced the choice to either break down or break through on the journey from chaos to joy. If they can do it, so can you. Welcome to the Your Blank What Now podcast. And now, here's your host, Marcy Nettles. Well, hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Your Blank What Now podcast. My name is Marcy Nettles, and I am your host, and I am so excited to be bringing you another episode today of a breakdown to breakthrough story. When I say that, what I mean is that many times we find ourselves in really difficult positions, circumstances that we wish we could get out of, and sometimes we just don't know how to. And so by sharing these amazing stories with these guests that are so willing to be vulnerable in sharing, 
it might just be exactly what you need to hear to be able to know what you should do next to move forward in your life and to get out of your breakdown. So I am super, 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 that's three supers, by the way, excited for my guest today. You know, when I was told that I needed to be connected with him and then I heard part of his story and I was like, yes, Absolutely. Kevin Lowe needs to be in my life and he needs to share his story with the What Now tribe. So just a little bit about Kevin. In his mid-30s, Kevin Lowe is a remarkable entrepreneur and transformational coach who has taken the world by storm. Despite the seemingly insurmountable challenge of losing his eyesight in 2003, Lowe has risen to success as a life and business coach and the engaging host of the popular podcast, Grit, Grace, and Inspiration. So I am so excited to welcome you to this episode today, your show, Kevin Lowe. Welcome. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. So we decided that the title of your episode is going to be You're Positively Blind. What now? And by the way, guys, as you listen to his story, it's like, first of all, in his voice, you're just going to hear joy. He just shares joy. And then on top of that, when we upload this episode to YouTube and you're able to see the amazing smile, we just got done talking about how when he smiles, he just... He, he squints to where his eyeballs almost disappear, but he's got just the most amazing smile. So, so Kevin, thank you so much for being here and just bringing so much joy along with you. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am glad to be here. Glad I can be smiling and uh, laughing. Uh, it does the soul some good. So. Yes, it surely does. So as we get started here today, will you please share with the What Now tribe more of who Kevin is and what life was like for you before you went blind? Yeah, absolutely. So I am blessed that I grew up um, in a wonderful, wonderful area, Ormond Beach, Florida. So our uh, well-known neighbor is Daytona Beach, Florida. So I'm on the, the east coast of central Florida. And Grew up, grew up in the 80s, 90s, um, and like I said, was really blessed in the, in the fact that it was a small town, got to grow up just outdoors. I mean, this was before cell phones, before uh, it was cool to just stay inside, and um, and I feel like that was something like I'm, I look back on, I feel so grateful for it. So my childhood was full of riding dirt bikes, riding four-wheelers, out in the woods, camping with my dad. Um, or it was out on our boat, deep sea fishing, going lobstering down in the, the Florida Keys. Um, I got to do a lot as a child, and I really feel as though it shaped me kind of into the man that I became. But even more so, as I look back on my childhood and, and, and where I came from before I became blind, I really view it from the angle that my creator uh, knew what was going to happen. And he spent the first 17 years preparing me to lose my eyesight. And so I was a kid who got to do a lot. I was blessed to get to travel a lot. And I was a kid who drove my mom crazy by constantly changing up what I wanted to do. Because this week, Kevin was all into skateboarding. Next week, Kevin's all into rollerblading. Week three, he's all into surfing. You know, I was one of those kids who wanted to try something and wanted to do it and was all in and the next thing you know it i've decided i'm you know all in on something else and 
looking back on it, though, is, wow, God was actually just giving me the chance to get a little taste of everything, to get to do all these crazy, cool things before something that I had no idea was going to happen. And so so that was my childhood. Um, I'll, I'll hit on one little aspect of, of a big part of my life before I went blind, and that was turning 16 years old um, when I got my dream truck. Um, that was a forest green Ford F-150 four by four. And whoo, man, that thing was my baby. And, um, she, she was my year of, of being 16 of, of out in the woods, mudding with buddies or, or just cruising, cruising down the, the, uh, highway next to the beach headed to, to school. Um, and you know, unfortunately I only got to drive her for a little over a year. Um, when then everything changed. Wow. Wow. You know what? I agree with you. I think that God was just so good because he does. He knows everything from the beginning to the end, right? He is all powerful and in control and he knows. And so for him to be able to give you those opportunities to taste, like you mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit of so many different things, that is such a gift. And I am so glad that you shared it that way. And what now tribe? This is just an example of who this amazing man is and what his outlook is on life. So I am so excited for him to share his actual story of what happened. I mean, you had just turned 17 when you became blind. Can you share, you know, what happened? How did, how did things start and progress? And did you real? how did you realize that there was something wrong? And then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so correct. So I was, I was just in the start of my junior year of high school um, 17 years old. My birthday's into September. Um, th- things are going great. Everything's going great. But I did have some health issues that I had been dealing with. And I use health issues even in quotes because we didn't really know that they were health issues. They were just little things that my mom and my my grandmother, my nana, that they picked up on that the pediatrician was was not addressing. A couple of things, including migraine headaches. I had had migraine headaches for my entire childhood Um, and, you know, no explanation, just, you know, take this medicine. I I was constantly going to the chiropractor trying to get help because because my migraine headaches always kind of stemmed from the back of my head. Um, And so I had migraine headaches. I wasn't growing here at 17 years old. I'm only five foot three. I had never gone through like puberty, had never hit my true growth spurt. And my doctor always just told, told me, he told my, my mom, oh, he's just a late bloomer. Don't worry about it. Well, thank goodness, a mom and a grandmother, they know better than anybody. <laughs> and that includes the, the, the leading pediatrician. And so the two of them really were the ones that were like, you know what? Something has to be done. Something's not right. And so um, we, my mom got me in with a just general family doctor. And he was actually a new doctor to town, young guy, just out of med school. And I go into his office. He takes one look at me, one look at my chart. And he pulls my mom out the hallway and tells her, he's like, listen, he's like, something's not right. He's like, um, his growth chart. He's like, a human doesn't grow like this. He's like, I, I need you to get him to a specialist, to an endocrinologist, um, immediately. And so, um, that happened. Um, we, 
got got booked uh, with an appointment over in Orlando, Florida, with the pediatric uh, endocrinologist. And in his office, um, during our consult, he literally said, he said, I suspect that you have a brain tumor. Now that, I mean, brain tumor, say what? Had never even heard of such a thing. Total disbelief. Um, and um, so he would schedule us, though, would schedule me to have an MRI. And um, lo and behold, I'd have the MRI. And um, it was a Friday evening. Um, my mom was on her way to actually meet me and my my stepdad and stepbrother. We were on our boat um, waiting for my mom. We were taking our boat up the uh, intercoastal waterway up to St. Augustine, Florida for the weekend. Um, one of my favorite trips that we would do on our boat. And But my mom's in her car. She's driving and she gets a call from the doctor. And she answers it and he says, listen, he's like, um, you know, are you driving? And she said, yes. And he said, listen, I need you to pull over. So my mom pulled over and he told her, he said, listen, he said, the results came in and it's worse than I ever expected. He said, I have on the other line, the leading pediatric neurosurgeon in the country, um, also located um, in Orlando, Florida. He said, um, it, it's bad. And um, lo and behold, they'd go ahead and get an appointment scheduled. Um, my mom would wait to tell me until we got up to St. Augustine on the boat. And um, I was sitting down in the cabin of the boat of our, of our boat, uh, flipping through a dirt bike magazine. And um, when my mom came down and sat at the little table and, and told me the news and um I don't remember getting out of the boat. I don't remember running down the dock, but I do vividly remember standing up at the top of the marina. So when you came down the dock and, and got to, to land, you then had to go up a bunch of concrete stairs up to this big kind of clubhouse area. And um, if you've ever been to St. Augustine, there's the infamous uh, Bridge of Lions. Yes. Well, this marina sits right at the base of the Bridge of Lions. And um, it's a beautiful setting. And I can remember standing up at the top of the marina, just with my arms folded across the railing, staring out in just disbelief. Um, I was upset, but I didn't even know. I didn't even know what, what I was upset about. I just just knew internally that this is wrong. Like, what what are they talking about? And so things would start happening fast and say it was like dominoes. And the more dominoes that fell, the faster they fell. And um, lo and behold, all I know is that um, we're in the office of uh, the leading pediatric neurosurgeon um, in his office. And he's got up on the uh, x-ray scan, the, the x-ray. And sure enough, clear as day, you can see this big white blob right in the center of my brain. So it was a non-cancerous, thank goodness, um, tumor, but it was called a craniopharyngioma. They compared it to the size of a plum, and it was positioned right in the crosshairs of my optic nerve. It had completely encased my pituitary gland and was pressing against my carotid artery. And without the tumor's removal, they gave me at most six months to live. 
And so obviously surgery was, was a duh. Um, right. And yeah, you know, so <laughs> life so, is kind of important. We want to be yes, here, right? Exactly. And, yes. and, and, and the doctor, you know, he said, he's like everything. He's like, I do these all the time. He's like, this is what I do. He's like, you know, he told me that I'd be back to school in approximately three to four weeks. Everything would be fine. And so we went home. We, we scheduled surgery for October 28th. Uh, so that was October 28th, 2003. I went back to school. I immediately dropped out of trigonometry because I knew <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't do that with withstand that class being gone for a month. Um, became an office aide for my guidance counselor for that period and spent a couple of weeks. I think it was maybe like, a maybe two weeks in between surgery and, uh, you know, just telling all my buddies, you know, see you later suckers, you know? And, um, and, and I named my tumor, my tumor was named Bob, Bob, the tumor. And so me and my family, we had a huge going away Bob party. Um, and, um, <laughs> It was a celebration because it was a speed bump. It was a bump in the road that we just found out about and we were going to take care of it. And then life would get back to normal. Instead, nothing went as normal. Um, I went into the surgery, went into the operating room um, early on the morning of October 28th. Um, I remember being wheeled in the hospital bed. Um, I had, had checked in the day before. Um, so I was, was there all night and, um, they wheeled me back into the operating room table, operating room. And, um, my mom and my dad had followed me and I say that, gosh, if I'd only known that that was the last time I was going to get a chance to see their faces, to get to know what my own mom and dad looked like, gosh, how long I would have stared. Because at that moment, everything changed. Um, the surgery went amazing. Um, the doctor came out. He told my family that the surgery was a success. They they got the tumor out. Um, he, he wasn't concerned about anything. Um, after surgery, they said that that things were tough, um, that, that nothing went right from there for, for the fact of my family either, because I had all of these endocrine levels going crazy. I ended up staying in the ICU for two weeks after surgery. And, um, on top of all these endocrine issues and all these levels going haywire that they said I had was five foot three, but turned into the incredible Hulk, um, was just out of my mind. Um, and, through all of that, they had to deal with the realization um, that I couldn't see. So my mom was in the room with the, the lead nurse. And the lead nurse was was trying to get me to stop pulling off the, the little pulse ox machine that they had put on my toe. And um, apparently he, he was like, Kevin, you know, do you see this? Pointing to the pulse ox and and he's like, do you see this red light? You don't take this off. Do you see this? And my mom said that I just plainly said, no, no, I, I don't see anything. And at that moment, he looked at my mom and my mom looked at him and he walked over and he flipped the, the light switch on and off, on and off. 
He's like, Kevin, do you see this? Do you see the light? And I responded, no, it's just black. It's just black. And that was when they found out that I was left blind. So when the smoke clears, I guess you could say, I was left completely blind in both eyes. So no light perception, no shapes, no shadows. I lost my ability to smell. I had short-term memory loss for a solid six months. And then on top of all of that, um, I have no pituitary gland. And so I am diagnosed with something called panhypopit. Um, so the luxury that of that means is that I get to start taking all these medicines that the body should be uh, producing naturally. Well, I get to use them on medications. And exciting part is, is that they work. Um, I get to start growing again and, and, and I start growing tall and, and all that. But at the same point, I would realize that um, medicines are a poor alternative to what the body does naturally. And um, after here at the time of our recording, coming up on my 20th anniversary, and I've, I've realized that uh, sometimes that other condition, the panhypo pit, can sometimes be a greater disability than even the blindness. Wow. So you've had me in tears, just so you know. <laughs> um, I, I I can't imagine what it would be like being a 17-year-old that had lived life so boldly and big mm. and transitionally <laughs> with all of yes. the different things that you went back, you know, and, and you had tried so many different things to being now in this position of lying there in the hospital bed, not being able to see anything. Yeah. What was what was that initial response from yourself in your mind and in your emotions to the reality that you would be blind for the rest of your life? Yeah. Um it, it's it's really weird because I have no memory after going into the operating room table. Operating room, I keep saying operating room table. <laughs> I have no memory <laughs> after going into the operating room until sometime later on being home. My memory, I have no memory whatsoever of any of the following two weeks spent in the hospital. But um, I can tell you that my mom will tell you that I never freaked out, that I was never scared, that it just was. A huge part of my story is my faith. A huge part of my story. And um, even in those times that I have no memory of, my family would tell you that I said then that Jesus was with me. Um, I don't know why I didn't freak out. I don't know why there isn't a pivotal moment that I could use to make for a really good answer to that question. But I will tell you instead, it was years. It was years of grieving. It was every morning waking up for such a long time. And I mean years. Waking up every morning, having gone to sleep that night, begging and pleading God to just let me see again when I woke up. And yet every morning I'd wake up and I'd open my eyes and I'd see the same thing as I did when they were closed. Every day I had to grieve it. Every day in the preceding years is I would have a, a couple of friends 
out of the huge group of friends that I had, I had a, a handful who stayed by my side. And it meant so much to me that they would pick me up and we would go out to dinner or when we were still in high school for the rest of that time in high school, my one buddy in particular, Brandon, would pick me up and, and take me to some of the school stuff. And, and I would do that with them. And I loved it. And I was so appreciative. But he dropped me off back at home. And I would go in bed and just cry and sob. Because it was so hard to see the life that I no longer had. Here I was, this kid with this dream truck, the biggest truck in my high school. Um, as you said, I lived a life of freedom of, of on the back of a dirt bike in, in the driver's seat of my own car. And now just taken back down to this life that I hated for so long. I hated this world of darkness with every ounce of my being. And, um, it is only through the grace of God and only through my unwavering, amazing family that I got through it. Amen. <laughs> wow. Kevin, that is so powerful. That is so powerful because you could have fallen into that pit. You could have gone down such a deep depression into a place to where you may have just decided to change things yourself and end things, which so yes. many people are in that position right now. There are so many people in this world today that are living through difficult times that they just don't know how to see themselves out of it. They don't know what to do to get solutions or answers or to find any peace anymore. And so they think that their only solution is to take their own life. What would yeah, you say? What would you say to someone that's in that place? I can say that I was there because so many of those nights that I told you that I would pray to God, I also would pray to God and ask him to give me the courage to kill myself. Because as I said, I hated this life. I hated it being trapped in darkness. And I always would. I would pray and I would beg God, give me the courage. Let me have the courage to kill myself so that this could be over. And I credit back to my faith and my family. Because I always say that my faith is how I did it. It's how I kept going. And my family is why I did. Because I could not stand the thought of what I would put my family through. My mom, my dad, my sister, my grandparents. What would they have to go through if I did it? And I couldn't stand the thought of what I would do to them. And so I always say it's my faith is how I didn't do it. And it's my family is why I didn't do it. And for the person struggling, my encouragement to you is to do what I did, is to figure out what it is in this life is worth living for you. And I, and I actually, during this time in my life, without even realizing it, that it was a motto, I came up with a motto in the form of an equation. My equation was faith plus family equals a life worth living. Because at the base of it all, when I had nothing left to live for, it was only through my faith in my family. And I encourage you that there's gotta be something, at least one thing 
that gives you a reason to wake up tomorrow morning and to keep going. And my bit of encouragement is that I promise you this, is that a hole is a hole. It's not forever. You just have to make it to the other side. You have to climb out. It's not forever. And so I promise you, if you fight through it long enough, I promise you that it gets easier and it gets better. And all of a sudden, one day, you won't even realize it. But today was a little bit easier. You didn't wake up crying. You didn't wake up and realize that you couldn't see and you get so upset. You didn't go out with your friends and get back home and cry. No, it just gets a little bit easier. But you got to give it time. You got to work at it. And so just don't give up on life. Because I'm here to tell you, I promise you, 20 years down the line, that this life, it's worth living. Thank you for that so much, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, because this started when you were just such a young, young man. You like you had already mentioned, you were a junior in high school. Um, and so after this time in, in the hospital, and now that you've discovered that you're blind, did you go back to school? Did you finish out your school years? I did. So I um th- this was something else kind of funny is the fact that I hated school um, <laughs> by by my sophomore year, junior year. It was no longer the worst thing that I had ever had to go through. Um, mm. It was it was tolerable. Um, I had finally kind of found that cool group of friends was driving. So that made things a little bit better. Um, but lo and behold, I mean, I would rather have the flu than have to go to school. And so and so it was very ironic that from the time this happened, I constantly said, I just want to graduate with my class. I just want to graduate with my class. And my mom, my grandmother, secretly, they didn't think that was possible. Just because of my physical physical issues, what was what we were going through. But lo and behold, I would do it. Um, I never went back to school the rest of my junior year. Um, instead, my mom would drop me off over at my grandparents' house every morning. She would go on to work. Uh, my grandfather, he would go to work, and it would just be me and Nana. And I would have these amazing three women uh, through a program called Hospital Homebound who would come to my grandmother's house. One of the teachers taught me my school subjects. Another one taught me how to do, as I call it, uh, blind stuff. So like reading Braille, how to use a talking computer. And then a third teacher who taught me mobility skills with using uh, the infamous uh, white cane. And um, so those women were my teachers for the rest of my my junior year. And I caught up with my, my schoolwork that I could go back for the start of my senior year, back to school, back with, with everyone. And so... Um, I went back just for one class a day. Um, At the time, we had a block schedule, so we only had four classes a day. And I went back uh, for my senior year. I did one class a day, um, a class in the morning. And, um, you know, to give me that opportunity to, to quote, unquote, be part of my my senior year. Um, It was tough. Um, There was a lot of emotions, again, um, 
but it was it was pivotal for me. the The rest of the rest of my school subjects I did with those same same teachers uh, who were there with me my junior year, and lo and behold, I would walk across the stage of my high school graduation with <laughs> my class. Fantastic. Yes, yes, and uh, and you know. I didn't realize until honestly until a few years ago what a monumental moment that was for me. And and it wasn't until a few years ago when it hit me and I thought you know what that was God who gave me that dream. That was God who gave me that desire. As I said, I was a kid who should have taken the get out of school free card. But God wanted to show me right off the bat that, Kevin, even in this life, you are capable of doing great things and that with a little bit of work, you can do it. And he showed me right off the bat by letting me graduate with my class, this dream that I had from day one. That's awesome. That is so (laughs) awesome. Seriously. You know, and he was also showing you, you know, the power that you had within yourself. Right. You have, you are such a strong individual with or without your sight. Hey there, what now tribe? This is Marcy, your host. How often do you wake up and the first thing you do is reach for a cup of coffee to perk you up and give you the boost you need to face the day just to find yourself more tired, unable to focus and in a bad mood a few hours later. And if you're like me, the sour tummy is no fun either. That used to be my daily routine until about 10 years ago, I found a natural replacement to coffee that gives me all the benefits I was looking for, energy, mental clarity, and retention, focus, and I have to mention a better control of my mood, all without the mid-afternoon drop I experienced with coffee. If you find yourself wanting to feel the way I feel every day, please go to marcynettles.com and send me an email with the subject line energy, and I will get you connected to your energy, focus, and better mood today. The first 10 emails received will receive a free sample to try. Yes. Yes. So good. So you had kind of <laughs> you had kind of started sharing a little bit about how your blindness is not your greatest disability. Can you share further on what you feel like you have more of a challenge with? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I realized through the years, um, you know, that the blindness is something I can overcome. Um, I can learn techniques uh to do everything. There's there's an app um to to help me see the the color of clothes or, or whatever. Um, I can even develop some super cool, uh, um, we'll call it superhero stuff, like uh, using echolocation, um, which is where I've like retrained my brain's visual cortex to see through sound. Um, but there's one thing that I can't handle and uh, overcome, and that is the uh, the lack of a pituitary gland. Yeah. Um, your pituitary controls all your hormones. And being labeled as a panhypo pit is my, my medical condition. It, it makes life a struggle. Um, to be honest, um, every day, I, I honestly don't know how the day is going to go. Um, today may go great. Tomorrow I may wake up and I have no energy. Um, I may get through half the day feeling awesome. For no reason, I crash 
for the second half today. It's a constant balancing act with medicines. Um, it's a constant balancing act of, of, of my weight, of my physical just endurance. Um, it, it's constantly up and down and it makes life a struggle. And, you know, I, for so many years, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I would pray, um, for God, you know, to let me see. Um, but to be honest, I mean, thank goodness God doesn't give us choices and be like, okay, Kevin, which would you like me to heal your blindness or heal the, the pituitary issue? Um, but, you know, I came to realize that that's really what's more of a disability than the blindness is that is this invisible disability. Um, and, um, thanks to an amazing support group through, through Facebook groups, you know, I've connected with people all over this world who understand because most people don't understand it, but I found this whole group of people all over the world with the same condition who we can confide in each other. Um, and, um, you know, letting each other know like, Hey, it's okay. Like I feel the same. Um, so that is what I mean when I say that the, the blindness is not my greatest disability. Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from there. <laughs> I think that so many of us that don't experience that take it for granted because yes. our pituitary glands are responsible for so many things, um, natural things that happen with our bodies that without it, it's such a challenge. But again, yes. on top of that, though, it led you to a phenomenal, you know, group of people that are your support yes. and also that you can support back because, you know, again, getting back to our faith and our creator, he created us to be in community. He didn't, yes. commu you know, create us to be by ourselves and alone. He created us to be together because he knew that this life would not be easy all of the time and that in our difficulties, we really needed to have each other. So I am so thankful that you found that support group through Facebook. You know, Facebook has some good, <laughs> good things to it, right? Yes, <laughs> but yes. I, th I think that that is just beautiful that you are able to get support and you are able to give support through that group. Another purpose yes. that you have on your life, Kevin. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit here and let's kind of go from surgery 10 years out because um, it was only about 10 years after you became blind that you opened your own business. So please yes. share with the What Now Tribe more about that and how did this even happen? I mean, man, come on, you're blind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, and lo and behold, of all businesses, it's a travel agency. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so I have the opportunity um to take part in a job readiness program through the local center for the visually impaired. So I'll back up real quick and say that unbeknownst to me, um, where I live, um, we have this huge blind center right next to our community college is this whole center set up for the blind and visually impaired. No idea that this had ever existed before. And yet it's right in my own town. Literally, people would travel from all over the country to come and stay at the center to get training. And yet it's 20 minutes from my house. And um, and so they were a big part of 
you know, all the years after after becoming blind, um, providing support, helping me out. Um, when I attempted to go to college at our community college, who who equipped me with technology and different stuff that I would need. Um, and then here I am, um, you know, offered this ability, uh, offered an opportunity to take part in a job readiness program. So I was a little apprehensive because I'm like, yeah, I've been through some of this stuff before. and know it's kind of lame. But they uh, they enticed me with the the opportunity that at the end of the three month program that they would set me up with an internship at a business of my choice. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I get into the job readiness program. I'll be honest, it was blind daycare for adults. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, I made friends with a couple of old guys who we sat in the back of the room. And just made fun of all the crazy people who were in the classroom with us. And, um, <laughs> and so, so I got to just have fun with these two, these two old guys uh, for the whole class. And uh, at the end of it, though, um, I got the internship. Now, I had two big interests in mind. And one of them was travel. The other was radio. And travel was something that I... You know, as I, I said at the beginning of our interview, that I got to travel and do a lot uh, growing up. Well, I realized that even after becoming blind, that traveling was something I loved even more. Because, you know, I can't just watch a TV show and get the 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 same experience of, of looking at a destination. No, I've got to be there. I've got to experience it. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe I could be a travel agent. And so... Lo and behold, they got me set up with an internship at a local travel agency. Um, and at the same time, they fulfilled that radio desire by hooking me up with an internship at a local AM radio station. Uh, that was AM 1380, uh, where I worked three mornings a week on the morning drive. I and love so, it. I love it. Yeah. You got the radio voice, man. I, yes, I love it. It was it was awesome. And so literally my, uh, luckily it was right next to where my grandfather worked at. And so he would drop me off Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5.30 a.m. And I was there ready for the 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. radio show. And um, so I did that um, while, like I said, interning at the travel agency. And um, both of them went amazing. And then after the, the three months uh, went by, well, that was cool, but neither of them are going to hire you. So what now? <laughs> um, mm. And so now I'm kind of back to square one and um, really honestly was lost. Like, I don't know what to do. I, I tried finding travel agencies that would hire me and all of them want two years experience. And I'm like, well, how do you get experience if no one will hire you? Right. <laughs> and, um, and so lo and behold, I found the option of becoming my own business matter of fact it was my sister who found out about it of opening my own home-based travel agency now that was at a time so um 2012 2013 um when the home-based business was was really just getting started today that is the large majority of travel agents are what they call home-based agents and so i literally as of january 2013 opened the doors to better days travel. And that was my own business. 
And so I owned and operated my own home-based travel agency for seven years up until 2020. Mm. And it was incredible. I got to not only uh, book travel, I got to book all these vacations. I did, I did some awesome trips for people. I mean, luxury honeymoons to Bali. Um, I did some incredible group cruises for churches that were doing like nonprofit um, cruises, you know, that I got to book. I think I did a group of like 50, 60 people um, that I organized a whole group cruise for. I mean, just amazing trips that I got to do. And I loved it so much. And at the same time, I also loved just getting to build a brand. Um, and I just, I, I truly loved it. But at the end of the day, to be honest, it never really took off for me. And um, that, that brings me to an important point that I'm going to make a little bit later about knowing when you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. The travel agent path for me was, was constantly paddling, constantly paddling upstream, um, you know, because nothing ever really seemed to take off for me. And um but I didn't know what else to do. I loved what I was doing, so I kept doing it. Well, sometimes we need other circumstances to change, to kind of like change our course for us. That came by way of the 2020 pandemic. <laughs> and, um, right. <laughs> and so, so March of 2020 comes, of course, as the story has it, I was set to have my best year ever. Literally had trips out the kazoo booked for 2020 including my own anniversary cruise with 50 of my family members. So this was going to be on the 17th anniversary of when I had went blind. And so I had set up this huge group cruise. And then of course, March of 2020 happened. And inside of one week, everything disappeared and the travel agency took a deep dive into the shallow end of the swimming hole. Boo, (laughs) boo, boo. (laughs) Yes. And so that was, that was it. Here we are now. It's, it's pandemic. We're, we're in quarantine. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. And so I, you know, like I said, I mean, I was, I was doing good with the travel and now just nothing. And so, um, I had been having this idea of doing a side thing of starting up a YouTube channel. Oh. I followed a couple of other blind YouTubers and I thought, man, I'm like, this would be amazing. So sure enough, I get on Amazon. I start ordering me some equipment for doing a YouTube channel. Well, it hit me one day, of course, after spending money on equipment and trying to figure everything out and, and getting it all set up. And it, it hits me one day. I think, Kevin, if you don't have your sister here or somebody here who's got some working vision to film you, to do the editing, you ain't going to be able to do this yourself. And if there's one thing I've learned in my blind life, that the less you can rely on others, the better off you are. And so I thought, this ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. And it was literally like all of a sudden, just like this ton of bricks hit me. And it was literally like, oh no, like, what do you mean? My whole dreams, my idea of, of YouTube, what am I going to do now? And lo and behold, thanks to my sister again, the one who, who found out about the home-based travel agent, well, she found out about a thing called a podcast. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and it was through her telling me about a podcast 
that then led me on a whole nother venture in life. But that was my travel agency days from beginning to end. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's just amazing. I mean, first of all, I'm like thinking it's like, okay, so how, how as a blind person, were you able to do that? How were you able to have a travel agency <sighs> and design these amazing vacations for people as a blind person? It's like, how? Yeah. It's like, as a, as a seeing person, I'm like, I'm trying to wrap my head around this and it's just not working. Can you help yeah. me with that? <laughs> Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's so, it's so funny because I get so used to my, my blind world that when people ask that, I'm like, well, what do they mean? I just do it like the other side <laughs> right. of people, but um, it, it's all in technology. And so I have a talking software on my computer. So I have a normal laptop computer, just like anybody else would buy, except for, I have a software program called JAWS. So J-A-W-S, and it is a screen reader. And so with that program installed on the computer, now it becomes completely accessible to the blind. So as I type in keystroke commands on the keyboard, it's navigating the computer while talking to me at the same time. Incredible. And so literally I can run an entire travel agency with nothing more than my laptop computer. Wow. So when it comes, comes time to, you know, learning about suppliers, I, you know, I, I found out the whole idea of, of, you know, with the with the travel business, I got a everything figured out. I got all the licenses I needed. I figured all of that out. And then, you know, when it's actually time to 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 book a vacation, you know, you really listen to people. You get on the phone with with your potential client and you're finding out what they want. And, and you really use the skill of listening, a skill that I've learned that a lot of you sighted people don't do very well yeah. um, because I've learned that that the side of people, they tend to tend to, to glass over things. Something that I really learned even more about when I became a podcaster. But the, the travel thing was really listening to what people wanted. What type of vacation were they looking for? What were they celebrating? And then I got to go to work. I got to do my research. I got to figure out, okay, what type of resort is going to be the best for them? And you go on and you know, the websites, they're describing it to you, but okay, well, maybe I want a better description. So I go into maybe a travel agent group that I'm part of. And I ask like, Hey, has anybody personally been to this resort? And they have, oh, okay, great. Tell me about it. Like, give me that insider perspective. And so, so that was it. I mean, and then everything's just done through technology all through the computer or my iPhone, my iPhone talks to me also. And so literally can book the trips, do everything just pretty much like anybody else. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, especially <laughs> because the, it, there is so much truth to what you said about those of us that can see that don't listen about how yes. we just kind of, oh, we let things come in and they just go right out. We don't really yes. grab hold of what someone's saying, right? Yes. It's like, yes. oh my goodness, it's like my husband and I are getting ready to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. I'm like, dang it, I wish that you were still in business. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly, right? yes. Because I, I don't know of another travel agent that goes to that depth and that um, yeah. detail in researching you know, just to make yes. sure it's absolutely perfect. It's like, oh, you just, you know, type it in and whatever comes up, we book it out and there you are. There's your trip. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the name was, of it, what what was the name of your agency again? Yeah, it was called Better Days Travel. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely perfect for what you provided. I love that. Yes. Yes. So, so in between, you know, before 2020 happened, I know that you are a prayer, you are a God lover. And um, so tell me about some prayers that you had prayed that, you know, he answered, but it wasn't exactly the way that you had been, you know, hoping it would be answered. Talk, talk to me about answered prayers, but in his way, not yours. Yes, absolutely. So I made mention earlier about my superhuman superhero ability of echolocation. Mm. Um, I had prayed, as I said earlier, every night, every prayer for so many years was to let me see again constantly. Um, that was my prayer was to let God, God let me see again. And um, 2017 came and I had a friend who told me about a YouTube video. She had watched a YouTube video of this guy named Brian Bushway, who was completely blind, yet he's out riding a mountain bike. He's out rollerblading. He's skateboarding down a street. And he's doing it all by echolocation. Well, I heard this and was like, oh, my gosh. Like, how cool is that? And, um, but at the same point was like, well, like, why can't I do that? And so, are you still there? I am here. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought it had cut off on us. No, you're good. It's absolutely okay. 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 You are okay. fine. Perfect. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'll pick back up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as excited as I was at this video that she sent to me, at the same point, I'm like, gosh, but like, why can't I do that? Because I'm in the video, he talks about how he uses this clicking technique where he makes a little clicking noise with his tongue against the roof of his mouth. And then somehow that emits an echo that his brain then interprets and he can see. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I wish to goodness I could do it. And I had actually heard about this one time before, years before watching the Ellen show over at my Nana's house. And um, anyways, this is the second time I've heard about it years in between. And so this time, though, I'm like, who is this guy? And so I start researching more about this guy, Brian Bushway. Well, to my amazement, I find out that he, he works with an organization at the time where they're going all over the world teaching people who are blind how to use echolocation to see. Now, at that point, my mind's kind of blown. But at the same point, I'm kind of thinking scam alert. Like, this makes no sense. Long story short, Kevin, his mom, and my sister are on a flight headed to Los Angeles, California in the summer of 2017. I was headed out to work with that guy, Brian Bushway, to learn how to see again, now using echolocation. Now, the trip out there was tough. My medical issues I talked about, the panhypo pit, flying did not do too well with me. I got really sick, was super sick the first few days we were in California. Training was extremely difficult. And I was so frustrated, but I kept doing it. Now, the thing is, is that here I am, I'm completely blind. At this point, I've been blind for 14 years. Haven't seen a single thing but blackness. Mm -hmm. 
And I have this guy, Brian, who's telling me, and literally training, don't think we're at some like high tech, like science lab. Literally, my mom and sister would drop me off at his house and me and him would hang out all day working in his neighborhood. That was our training headquarters. And he's he's trying to teach me that, oh, you know, you just do this little clicking technique, which I can't make the clicking noise that he can. And he's telling me that when I make that, I'm supposed to see stuff that I don't see. And um, lo and behold, though, he kept he kept working at it. And we kept doing little exercises, kept doing little exercises. Now, backing up real quick, before I ever went out to California, I had many different phone calls with Brian leading up to the trip. And on one of the phone calls, I remember asking him, like, listen, I'm going to be out there for seven days, but how long does it really take for somebody to get it? And he told me, he said, well, he said, on average, on the third day is when it finally clicks in. Lo and behold, it's third day of training. On this day, instead of my mom and sister dropping me off at his house, he came over to our uh, Airbnb apartment. Now, remember, I want I want to be sure we, we paint the picture here. Brian, my instructor, he is completely blind also. He lost his eyesight kind of around the same time I did. He was, I think, like 14 years old when he became completely blind. He's only a few years older than me. So me and him are very similar in age, very similar kind of in, in, in the story of going blind. But Brian, he comes over to our apartment. My mom and sister head out to do their tourist stuff for the day. And me and Brian, we start working inside of this, this apartment. And uh, he has me face-to-face with one of the corners of the wall. And I'm clicking at the wall, clicking away from it, clicking at the wall, clicking away from it, trying to, to let my brain interpret when the click is hitting the wall, when it's not. All of a sudden, it happened. All of a sudden, the wall in front of me turned to gray. I could see this fuzzy gray in front of me. And so I keep making the clicking technique and, and I... I even backed up a few steps, still could see the gray. Now I walk up to the wall without even touching it. You can stop right in front of it without hitting it because I can see right where it is. I then follow the wall down, walking alongside of it, clicking, and I see the wall. And now all of a sudden I see this deep, dark opening. It's the opening to the kitchen, like a big, deep cavern that you can tell there's nothing blocking you. It's like an open type of blackness that I could walk into it. For the first time in 14 years, I could see again, just in a whole new way. So literally the science behind it is the fact that I, at that point, began the process of retraining my brain's visual cortex to see through sound instead of sight. If you took somebody who is blind who does not use echolocation and did an MRI, that part of the brain would just be black. No activity. If you did an MRI of somebody who's blind, who uses echolocation, that part of the brain would be lit up like somebody who sees with sight. It is truly life-changing. And I can remember laying in bed that night inside of that, that little Airbnb apartment and I remember I was still just so amazed 
And I remember then praying and I told God, I said, wow. I said, you let me see again, just in a whole new way. That has completely changed my life. Um, from the smallest little things. It's not singing like I used to see. It's it's different now. It's shapes of it's but the world has shape, it has dimension. There's figures. It's literally at times I could be standing in, say, my kitchen, and somebody could be in there. A lot of times it's my mom cooking, and all of a sudden my echolocation will really get kicked on. A lot of times, even in the kitchen when I'm not trying to use it, but just from maybe where the water is hitting a dish in the in the sink, it will activate it. And literally, I'm like, whoa, mom. I said, it's kind of creepy. I can see your entire figure standing right there. And um, it's cool stuff like that. It's, it's cool stuff like walking outside to get the garbage can. And used to, I'd walk down the driveway and I'd take my cane and I'd just be swinging my cane side to side, trying to hit the garbage can to find where the garbage man had left it. Now, I walk down the, gar- the driveway and with a couple of clicks, I can see the shape of the garbage can and can walk right over to it and grab it. It is truly incredible. Um, Yeah, it has been the biggest life changer ever. And again, I still uh, to this day like to just smile and be like, God, you are so crazy. Like, you are so (laughs) crazy. Like, like you're like, you know what, Kevin? Let me open your eyes even more to what you're capable of. I'm going to let you see in a whole new way. Yes. It's like, this is not a limitation. This is an opening to so many possibilities, Kevin. Oh yes. my goodness. And and as you mentioned in the first place, when I, I asked this question, it's like, you know what? We pray sometimes for what we think is best for us. But again, God is the one that knows everything and he knows what is right and what is best. And yes. so he answers our prayers from his <laughs> knowing, not from our desires. That is so cool. By the way, you are my first, you're my buddy yeah. that has echolocation. You're like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said like, like Batman, not like flipper or something. Right. You know? Right. No, 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 no. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you Batman. You have super powers, yes. my friend. <laughs> so, you know, what is one thing if you had the opportunity to go back and talk to yourself before you lost your sight, what is one thing that you wish that you could share with yourself? Oh, wow. Um, I think, I think I would love to tell myself that, um, that this life is so much bigger than you even imagine right now. That right now, all you know is, is this, this life you've been living. But give yourself some time to understand that this life is so much bigger, that there's so much more to it, and that we take everything for face value. But if you give life a chance, it will reveal itself to you in ways you could have never imagined before. And so to be patient, to be caring, to be sure that you don't take a single moment for granted, that you be sure that when you tell somebody you love them, that you truly mean it. Yes. And that you just be sure that you love life every single day as if it's the last. 
Great message to your younger self. Yeah. So good. So you had mentioned that you moved into or transitioned from that real estate business or not real estate, sorry, travel agency. Where did real estate come from? Oh my goodness. Like I told you, it's my, my brain sometimes. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, so you transitioned from your travel agency into podcasting. I love having yes. my fellow podcasters on here. So tell us more about the Grit, Grace and Inspiration Show. I'd love to hear about that. And I'd love for you to share it with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So so yes, yeah, so I started the podcast after remember my YouTube sensation dreams were dashed. I then go to the poor alternative of a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> this is lame. Like literally when my sister told me about it, I'm like, Tiffany, that is super lame. Like super lame. Like that's nowhere cool as a YouTube channel. And yeah, I started listening to podcasts and I started realizing something. I was like, Kev, you just found your jam. The world of audio is here. This is your world, man. And so so I dove into the podcast just head first. Now, at the time, I had not given up on being a travel agent. And so when I started my podcast, May of 2020, it was called The Lowdown on Life and Travel. The Lowdown was a play on my last name. And I wanted to focus all on travel as well as little bits about me being somebody who's blind, who is a travel agent. And so I was rocking the travel theme for a few months. And, you know, this is me just starting out a podcast. No idea what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. And I kept getting really good feedback. And, you know, of course, at that point, you know, you had a, a you know, a audience, you know, captivated because everybody's stuck at home. And so they're like, well, we ain't got nothing better to do. Let's listen to Kevin's podcast. And so, so people though started just like really loving it. And all of a sudden podcast just kind of took over my life. Um, I started realizing though, that, that my conversations being had were, were getting away from just travel. I wanted to dive in deeper to people's stories. And so I ended up at some point, probably end of 2020, maybe beginning of 2021, I rebranded the podcast for the first time and turned it into the lowdown with Kevin Lowe. And that's when I really started getting into having these in-depth interviews with people. And I loved it. And I kept having people tell me, my guests would tell me at the end of our interviews, they'd say, you know what? They're like, you asked me questions that no one else ever asks before. Or they would say things like, I had this one lady in particular who said, she's like, you picked up on, on that part of my story that no one but my therapist has ever picked up on before. And of course, me trying to blow it off, I always give a little grin and say, well, you should be interviewed by more blind people because <laughs> those were obvious questions to ask. And so... It really, though, was like, okay, this is cool. And so literally, I kept rocking and rolling with that. By this point, I had totally decided that travel was no longer in my spectrum. Um, so I gladly let that ship sail. I decided, you know what? I don't feel like canceling another vacation. And so let's not book one. And so I transitioned from that full-time podcaster not knowing where income is really going to come from. But earlier I talked about 
paddling upstream. Well, I realized at this point in the game what it means to be on the right path in life is that it's effortless, is that you're no longer paddling, but you're literally flipped over on your back, floating downstream. And that was me with the podcast. I had no idea where it was going, what it was going to do, where it was taking me, but I knew it felt right. And here's how I knew it felt right is because while in the midst of an interview, every interview I would do with people all over the world, I would find myself at some point in the interview, silently praying, thanking God for putting me in this moment, for allowing me to meet this person, to hear their story, to get to share their story with the world. And I knew then, Kevin, you're on the right path. Now, that right path would lead to me then expanding from just podcasting to then coaching, um, which we can get into. But um, really, the, the podcasting, it took over. And eventually, I, you know, when really wanting to nail down the podcast and, and be sure that every aspect of it was was captivating and, and explaining what it was right off the bat is when I decided to ditch the lowdown and instead went with grit, grace, and inspiration, which three simple words yet so powerful, especially when combined together, um, which really just encompasses everything that I'm about, everything that my podcast is about and that my guests are about. And um, I just absolutely love it so much. It has just literally blessed me in ways that I never could have imagined before. And um, podcasting is just, oh my gosh, it's it's been amazing. Uh, so this is finally a time in this conversation that I can say, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, yeah. because there has been times in this interview right now that I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this time <laughs> and for bringing Kevin into my life and into the What Now tribe you know, yes, for them to be able yes. to hear your story. Um, so what yes. kind of what kind of coaching do you do? Yeah, so I do a combination of, I call it a transformational life and business coaching. And so my, my biggest thing is helping people who are, are ready to embark on a new chapter of life. Generally, that means that they're ready to, to maybe step outside of their career. Maybe they're ready to finally start that business. But as I call it, you know, a purpose-driven business, a, a not just any business, but one that really lets them finally use their purpose, even figure out what the heck their life's purpose is. They just know that they're ready for that next chapter of life. And so I work with them to, to help them do that, to step into that next best chapter of life. Um, and so that's where I call it a, a combination of, of both life and business coaching. Oh, that's fantastic. That is so, so good. So where could people connect with you and follow you and learn more? Yeah, so the best place to go is head on over to my website, um, which is gritgraceinspiration.com. Um, and that literally has every way that you can connect with me. That's direct act that is direct access to the podcast as well as all of my contact information um is is right there on the website. Perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure that we get that into the show notes and everybody that's listening right now, make sure you jot that down and go and connect 
with Kevin. Check out everything that he is doing because he is, I mean, first of all, it's like, if you have not just fallen in love with this guy right now during this <laughs> interview, his attitude in, I mean, we definitely, you know, chose the right title for your episode in being <laughs> your positively blind. What now, right? Because you are so positive. I know that you've had those hard days and those dark times, but you have got such an outlook on life that every single one of us can can grab hold of and just glean from you on how each one of us should look at the difficulties in our life and have so much gratitude for so much goodness in our life as well. And by the way, What Now Tribe, Kevin is offering you an amazing freebie for listening to this episode. You can go to marcynettles.com forward slash freebies to claim his free offer of access to his Unleash Your Purpose Driven Business you don't want to miss this. So marcynettles.com forward slash freebies to get your um, amazing gift from Kevin today. Okay, so head on over there after you're done listening and we'll get that over to you. So is there any final advice that you would like to share with the What Now Tribe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my biggest piece of advice is I never want anybody to listen to my story and to think to themselves, wow, that's amazing that he could do it, but there's no way I could, that there's no way I could overcome it. And I would love to leave you with this, is that you never know what you're capable of until you're faced with it. And I would encourage you to remind yourself that you are way more awesome. You are way more capable, able, and deserving of having all that you want in this life, even when tragedy strikes even when you're faced with adversity. I promise you that you can do it. And there's one thing that's certain is that in this life, we will all face hard times. But I promise you that you are capable, able, and deserving of overcoming it and having all that you desire in this life. Amen, amen, and amen. That's like a mic drop, but amen's better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so what now, Tribe? This is when I come to you and ask you to do your part. This is an opportunity for you to share this episode out because there are so many people out there in the world that need to hear Kevin's story and what he has done throughout this challenge that was brought to him at the young age of 17 years old for them to be able to listen to what he's done in his mindset and in his actions to be able to take just the next step every single day, the next right step, right? That's what you need to do is just one thing at a time. Please share this out and then please go and give a five-star review. Make sure you let me know what you love about the episode and we would love, love, love to be connected. Not to mention, I'd love to be able to shout you out on a future episode with your review. Um, Kevin, you have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything so boldly and so vulnerably. I appreciate you and I am so glad that you're my friend now. So thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks so much, my friend. Hey guys, this is Marcy Nettles. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and feel empowered by the story you just heard. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Your Blank What Now podcast. I appreciate you. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next episode and leave a five-star and written review with your biggest takeaway from the interview. 
Share this episode with someone you care about or share on social media and tag me in the post so I can personally thank you. At Marcy Nettles on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Feel free to follow me on any of these platforms as well. Don't forget to get connected to the tribe by subscribing at marcynettles.com to receive weekly newsletters and stay up to date on everything coming in 2024. Again, thank you for listening and being the best part of the Your Blank What Now podcast. I am already looking forward to sharing the next Breakdown to Breakthrough Story with you.